This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. This is KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Callums. And I'm Timothy Dennis. This hour, we talk with the legendary singer, songwriter, musician, and storyteller, John McCutcheon, about songwriting. I look at some of the, these songs on, on the latest album, Bucket List, and think, I remember what prompted that. It was a truck going by and I heard the gravel crackle underneath this wheel. So I just wrote it down and all of a sudden the story came out, a story I'd never thought about, hadn't planned on. He'll be at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in downtown Fayetteville this weekend as the latest guest in the Tippy McMichael Lecture Series. And we go to church in just a few minutes as Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich informs us about the 160th anniversary of St. James Methodist Church in Fayetteville. The 2022 election season begins in earnest today with the launch of candidate filings. The filing opportunity opens this hour and lasts through March 1st at noon. Those seeking offices from city to U.S. Senate will file in the appropriate locations over the next several days. Early voting in party primaries will begin May 9th. The party primary itself... May 24th. One small note, candidates filing in nonpartisan races have the same daily framework today through March 1st, but the opening and closing of filing is at 3 p.m. each of those days, according to the Arkansas Secretary of State's website. The Arkansas branch of the Libertarian Party is ready with a slate of candidates for 2022 after a nominating convention this weekend. Ricky Harrington, who ran for U.S. Senate in 2020 as a Libertarian, will be the party's nominee for governor. Libertarians will run candidates for three of the four Arkansas congressional seats, lieutenant governor, and more than three dozen candidates for state legislative seats. During the current legislative session, state lawmakers will consider a proposal to expand the state's prison system. This week on Arkansas PBS, Secretary for the state's Department of Correction, Solomon Graves, said adding nearly 500 beds will not meet the expected growth in prison population. We're only projected to grow uh, 1.5 percent over the next decade. This uh, proposal does not fully meet that growth. It puts us in a better position to, as part of ongoing conversations, meet that growth with additional alternatives in addition to uh, the proposed construction. Sarah Moore, a co-founder of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, said more money should be spent on addiction and mental health services to reduce the time nonviolent offenders spend in the prison system instead of expanding the prison. The data out there shows us that as individuals, every single day that ticks by that they stay incarcerated, their life falls apart. They lose their job. They lose their housing. They lose their kids into DHS custody, which is um, stretched under the amount of children that are actually in their care. Governor Asa Hutchinson has expressed his support for the proposed expansion. The legislative session resumes today. The Arkansas Department of Health reports no new deaths in the most recent 24 hours of COVID-19 reporting. Just more than 500 new cases were counted, and the active number of cases in Arkansas dropped below 1,000 for the first time since late December. And the National Weather Service is issuing a winter storm watch for the KUAF broadcast area from tomorrow morning through Thursday afternoon. The storm watch announcement includes a possibility of heavy mixed wintry precipitation with total sleet and snow accumulations of up to around one inch and ice accumulations of around one half of an inch possible.
This is Ozarks at Large, St. James United Methodist Church in the heart of Fayetteville's historic African-American district is celebrating its 160th anniversary. To mark the event, congregants produced a documentary chronicling the church's remarkable history. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich brings us their story. For over a century, countless children would crowd inside the small vestibule of St. James United Methodist Church on Sunday mornings to ring the church bell. It's a small church, but it's a family church, and we all are family. One of those children is Fayetteville native Jessie Bryant. She takes a seat on a varnished wooden bench inside the sanctuary, illuminated by stained glass windows. My first memory of this church would go way back, and I was a small child that used to run around and play in the church because it was a playground. Jesse Bryant was born January 28, 1926. And it was during the time when Fedville used to be a very winter place, and they would, my grandfather would come down and build a fire in the stove. It would be warm for Sunday school and for church. This is the second black house of worship built in Fayetteville. She says the first was built by enslaved African Americans. Emancipated African Americans later constructed homes and businesses here, a narrow spring-fed valley at the base of Mount Sequoia to the east and below Fayetteville's town square to the west. In the early 1880s, residents set about constructing St. James Church on the corner of Center and Willow Streets from handmade red bricks gleaned by black laborers building Old Main up on what would become the University of Arkansas campus. Bryant says over the years, the exterior and interior have undergone restoration. And that's, that's when you walk in, you feel the presence of God being inside, and everybody is there. You are introduced, you are talked to just like you've been there. It's just like home, just like you've been there all the time. During Jim Crow segregation on the Ozarks, which yielded sanctioned lynchings, racial cleansings, and horrific violence against Arkansas African Americans, this church was a secure place to dwell, Bryant says. And it was opened at all times, and there were meals that were served here. As long as you needed somebody to talk to, you could come to the church. You could come. There was always something going on, and everybody was comfortable. So we didn't worry too much about the turmoil that was outside. As a child, Jesse Bryant was barred from white-only city parks and required to attend black-only schools in Fayetteville. She had to leave her home and family to attend high school, later enrolling at Philander Smith College in Little Rock. She returned home to Fayetteville, married Louis Bryant, a World War II veteran, with whom she raised four children later founding Fayetteville's first free health and dental clinic. She also served for 15 years as Justice of the Peace on Washington County Quorum Court. 
The beautiful stained glass windows installed in the church in the 1940s commemorates key congregants and pastors. But according to Charlotte Museum of Ozark History, it was around that time when Fayetteville City planners aimed to reroute Highway 71 through this valley, tearing down black-owned homes, dislocating residents into segregated Negro housing south of town. The plan was miraculously scrapped, leaving Fayetteville's historic African-American neighborhood and this church intact. The history of St. James United Methodist Church was recently documented by independent filmmaker John Irwin in collaboration with the congregation, including Margaret Clark. She holds a doctorate of education from the University of Arkansas, the first African-American female hired to teach, first in 1969 as a French instructor, later as an assistant professor of secondary education in the College of Education. That's when she discovered St. James Church, connecting with members of the community. And I served uh, for 11 years as the treasurer of the church, and I also was the chair of a committee, a, a, uh, an outreach committee. And as such, I wrote a little grant that enabled us to put on a program, a series of programs over a period of three years for that outreach concern in as much as we wanted to bring in people and introduce people to the church and have them uh, enjoy what we were enjoying. Margaret Clark, along with Jesse Bryant and other key church figures, are featured in the video which Clark helped to facilitate. I thought that it would be easy for us to do if we were doing it virtually, and we could bring people in on a schedule to have them either talk about a certain aspect of a certain kind of program they were involved in, or to come and perform because we were wanted to include music. So it was a matter of saying, yes, this is what we can do. We can schedule it and we'll give a time for each person to enter in masked and then be able to do that to respond uh, by presenting the, the uh, thoughts and memories that they had or the history or the program they were involved in or, as I said, the musical aspect of the program. So that's what we did. The video opens with church pianist and narrator John Manning providing historical context, starting in the year 1861. After only 85 years since declaring independence from the British, the United States is about to endure a new national crisis, the American Civil War. President-elect Abraham Lincoln is preparing to be sworn in on March 4th as the nation's 16th president. Simultaneously, on November 6th of that year, Jefferson Davis was elected president of the Confederacy. To help pay for the war effort, the U.S. government issues the first ever income tax. They levied a flat rate of 3% on anyone with an annual income of $800 or more. In Europe, Charles Dickens publishes his novel, Great Expectations. In 1861, St. James Methodist Episcopal is established in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Four years later, 
their sister church, St. James Baptist, would open its doors and partner with their Methodist brethren for decades of service to the community. St. James United Methodist has helped in many areas in the life of Fayetteville, from initiating a preschool which would later become Head Start, helping lead the integration of Fayetteville Public Schools, and housing the Northwest Arkansas Free Health Clinic. These are just a few to name. We invite you now to come as we celebrate 160 years of St. James service to God and to the community. The video also illustrates an increasingly diverse congregation. Again, Jesse Bryant. People are looking for a place to be able to worship and to feel that as they worship God, as they talk about Jesus, as they live today, they want a place that they can come to, they can be comfortable in, and they can be themselves. That's this church. The documentary St. James United Methodist Church celebrates 160 years, is available for streaming online. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. This weekend, St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Fayetteville will host songwriter John McCutcheon as part of the Tippy McMichael Lecture Series. We called him last week to ask about his 50-year and counting career and more. We'll hear that conversation in about 12 minutes on the show. As we closely watch diplomatic talks between Russia and Western nations, one thing has become noticeable. Russian officials often use sarcasm to get their point across. It's like a cynical pose. Nothing is true. Nothing is real. We're more daring than you because we're willing to say anything. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered today from 3 to 6 on KUAF. You can always tune into KUAF by using the always free KUAF app for iPhone. The Northwest Arkansas Council will host a large-scale vaccine clinic Friday at the J.B. Hunt headquarters in Lowell from 8 until 4. COVID-19 vaccines are free, insurance is not required, and those attending Northwest Arkansas Council-hosted clinics will not need to provide an identification or social security number to get vaccinated. Shots for residents age 5 and older will be available. Homeowners in Arkansas who are impacted by COVID-19 can now apply for assistance. Through the Arkansas Homeowner Assistance Fund, people who have faced job losses, a reduction in income, or increased expenses after January 2020 can use this aid to cover their mortgage and utility bills. Derek Rose with the Arkansas Development Finance Authority says the state is one of the first to get approval and accept applications from homeowners. We, we do know that there's been a lot of money out there for renters. So this is the first time we've been able to assist individuals with the homeowners that are having those kind of issues. So we're, we're excited to actually be one of the first states to open our portal uh, in the country Uh, get out there with assistance to help those individuals. Homeowners must have an annual household income of less than 150% of the area median income of their county to be eligible. Applicants will need a valid ID, proof of home ownership, income documentation, and documents showing mortgage delinquency when applying. Support for KUAF comes from the Walmart Museum, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8, and noon to 6 on Sunday on the Square in Bentonville. WalmartMuseum.com for more information.
This is Ozarks at Large. The fiscal session of the Arkansas legislature is in week two, beginning today. And the filing period for candidates seeking election this year open today. So, John Brummett, a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Roby Brock with our partner Talk Business and Politics have plenty to discuss this week. Roby begins by asking John Brummett why the lawmakers were lukewarm to passing stronger anti-abortion legislation last week during the first days of the current session. I was told before the session that uh, uh, that the legislature was not going to oblige uh, Jason Rapert. Some of this, uh, frankly, was just personal. Uh, uh, that uh, they didn't uh, they didn't want to oblige him because they thought he was grandstanding, and they definitely didn't want to after they failed to extend in the in the special session. Uh, and he went around the state, or at least it got back to them that he was suggesting they were insufficiently pro-life for not going along with him. They and and I was told his, it's it's over for that bill and and for him on this issue uh, in the fiscal session. And then the Arkansas Family Council, I think, took. Uh, took uh, the temperature, political temperature of the Senate and probably the House and said, we, and they had previously lobbied for Rapert's bill. They pulled back and uh, and said it was not necessary. It might even be destructive. So that uh, that allowed all of that uh, uh, to happen. It was largely a matter of right-wing uh, anti-abortionists fighting among themselves uh, with personality conflicts and uh, political considerations with Rapert running for uh Lieutenant Governor. Uh, so that's what happened. There was, I was told, and it, it was borne out that that there would be a sort of backup anti-abortion bill introduced. And in case they had to cover themselves, just to be crude about it, uh, for voting against Rapert's bill, there was this other bill which was designed to make us purely, totally, fully uh, anti-abortion in Arkansas, if the Mississippi case should permit it. It was just an across-the-board uh, anti-abortion bill. And they decided they didn't need that, that the temperature was right with the family council pullback. You know, a lot of people, a lot of legislators worry about the family council sending out these report cards that they didn't vote right on abortion issues, particularly the Republicans in the primaries. With that taken off the table, they didn't even need to back up. So a fiscal session will be essentially fiscal, uh, as it turns out. It's not going to be a physical session. It's a fiscal session. I always love it when they call it a physical. Did I say physical? No, you didn't. You said fiscal, but I just was reminded of legislators past who have referred to it as the physical session. I always. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the biennium and the physical year. I've heard that uh, over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Filing period opens this week, uh, closes next week. What, anything you're going to be watching for on that front? Well, uh, yes, uh, I am interested in. Uh, I'm not interested. I feel a. I feel a. I feel a, a professional obligation. I'm a little interested in uh, state legislative races. Uh, you know, I think most everything on a statewide basis. Uh, you know what's happened to the Arkansas political condition in, in congressional races, Senate races, even the Senate primary, and they don't. Not on my radar very much, but what we've had a legislature that that that, as I've written for your magazine, uh, is very conservative, but it's been drawn to a to a to a needlessly combative, uh, destructive right wing nature by two or three extremists who who have uh, forced issues 
uh, and people are afraid to vote against them uh, because of they might get primaried. And there's this group, Common Ground Arkansas, and there are others who are trying to primary from the center, from more toward the pragmatic conservatism. A couple of these, uh, a couple of these people. You've got Bob Ballinger, who's going to be opposed uh, by a Chamber of Commerce traditional Republican from Harrison, I think, and also now possibly by by a, a more independent, uh, uh, in volatile uh, conservative uh, in Brian King, who formerly was there. So those kinds of races are the ones I'll be watching on the premise that if you just change, we're going to have a conservative legislature, but if you just change the, the style and temperament, uh, it would be more uh, practical and effective as it is, as is the case currently uh, in the abortion issue in this fiscal session. John Brummett is a political columnist whose work for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette can be found at ArkansasOnline.com. He spoke with Roby Brock from our partner, Talk Business and Politics. They discussed even more this week, including a ruling regarding 11 majority-minority Arkansas House districts drawn by the State Board of Apportionment. You can find that conversation at TalkBusiness.net. We have a few chances for you to be entertained for free. Sunday afternoon, Black-owned NWA and the Bentonville Film Festival are joining forces to offer a free double feature at 214 by cash in downtown Springdale. First movie is the 2019 short film Flight, about a Jamaican boy who decides he wants to fly to the moon. The film won the Audience Award for Best Short Film at the 2019 Bentonville Film Festival. That will be followed by the 1997 full-length feature Cinderella with Brandy Norwood and Whitney Houston. Movies begin at 2 Sunday afternoon at 2.14 by cash in downtown Springdale. Tomorrow night, weather permitting, and we're at another point where we offer all of these with a caveat, weather permitting. Tomorrow night, the Razor Bones, the University of Arkansas's trombone ensemble, will present a free concert in Cell of Oil Smith Concert Hall on the University of Arkansas campus. Concert is open to the public. Face masks will be required for tomorrow night's concert beginning at 7.30. And another free concert is scheduled for a week from Thursday, March 3rd, at the Ozark Christian College Chapel in Joplin. The Morgan Stern Trio, based in Germany, will present a collection of works for violin, cello, and piano. That will include music by Beethoven, Schumann, and Frank Bridge. The concert is the latest to be presented by Joplin's Pro Musica. You can learn more at promusicajoplin.org. March 10th, that's a Thursday, the Northwest Arkansas Community College Spring Arts and Culture Festival will deliver a free performance of Terry Riley's NC, often considered the first minimalist composition ever written. It's a collaboration between the Trillium Salon Series and the NWAC Music Department. It takes place March 10th in the Contemporary Galleries of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. You can learn more at TrilliumSalonSeries.com. This is Ozarks at Large. This weekend, the Tippy McMichael Lecture Series at St. Paul's Episcopal Church welcomes singer and songwriter John McCutcheon. McCutcheon has been touring the country and the world for five decades, releasing more than 40 albums along the way. He continues to be a prolific songwriter. He compiled two albums of new material during the pandemic, the stripped-down Cabin Fever and the multi-instrument bucket list. Last week, we reached him by phone to ask about this new music, about his upcoming Fayetteville appearances Saturday evening and Sunday morning, and his current tour that just happens to include more than one house of worship. 
so if, for instance, in Cleveland, where, uh, where I'm playing tomorrow night, um, it's just a venue that uh, the promoter rented. In, uh, in Illinois, that's a, ser- a concert series that this church has decided to put on, and I'm just lucky enough to be a part of it. And of course, in Fayetteville, this is part of the uh, Tippy McMichael um, lecture series, and I'm the first—at least I think I am—the first musician and and storyteller, I should add, um, that that they have brought in. Um, but you know, to me, in in the best uh, situation you end up having a little community for a couple of hours. And that's ideally what happens in a, in a, in a place of worship. Um, and, uh, it ends up being a collection of stories that tell a greater truth. And, um, that's what I've been trafficking in for 50 years now. So I'm, I've, I've played in Fayetteville a bunch uh, but this is the first time I will be playing at the behest of a of the Episcopal Church there, and it's 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 going to be great fun. Yeah, I know that uh, Mike Shirky, uh, you and Mike Shirky uh-huh. have oh, worked yeah. together here in Fayetteville. Yeah, and I've done something at the I've done stuff for the university, and uh, so I guess I'm covering all the institutional bases <laughs> of, of Fayetteville. <laughs> That's right. Well, you mentioned that there's a community of singing and storytelling. And like you said, that's what you have trafficked in for 50 years. And I was amazed you kept going and writing during these almost two years of pandemic months, haven't you? Well, I was relieved of all the distractions that usually impinge upon that, that activity. You know, I didn't, uh, I, I, I came home from a tour of Australia in mid-March of 2020 uh, to a very different country than I left. Um, and I thought the only reasonable thing being is that I'd been overseas and then I'd been on a, you know, flying tubular Petri dish of an airplane for, for the better part of 24 hours. I thought, uh, out of respect for my wife and my 90 year old mother-in-law who lives with us, I ought to, I ought to go quarantine myself. So my wife was also a writer, uh, and I have a little cabin in the North Georgia mountains and I went up there with my dog and I had no chores to do. I couldn't go to the gym. Uh, all the, all the, you know, the routines of daily life were gone and I just started writing. Um, you know, it's, it's something I do uh, when, you know, big things happen. Uh, it's interesting. We're talking today, which just happens to be my eldest grandchild's 12th birthday. And it was on this day 12 years ago, I sat down and started writing because I wanted to explore what was happening inside. And it usually takes a couple of days to clear the deck. Uh, But man, two years ago, it didn't take much time at all because there was nothing to interfere with it. And I, and I love writing. It's what I think may, maybe my primary job is. Um, And it was a very, you know, a pregnant time and continues to be such. When you get going and it's going really well, can it be like endorphins if you're a long distance runner or having a good session at the gym? Or being deep in meditation. Okay, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you get in the groove and you just, uh, 
you know, unlike going to the gym where you have a routine that you do and maybe you see incremental progress and you lift larger weights so you can run on the treadmill longer or whatever your metric is. Um, with this, it's a mysterious kind of uh, what happens next kind of thing. Uh, when you clear all the left brain stuff out of your world and you just sit down. Um, I look at some of the, these songs on, on the latest album, Bucket List, and think, I remember what prompted that. It was a truck going by and I heard the gravel crackle underneath this wheel. So I just wrote it down and all of a sudden the story came out, a story I'd never thought about, hadn't planned on, but it was there. And that's what happens. And every writer who's listening to us right now has had that. It could be a thank you note. It could have been a term paper. It could have been an obituary. It could have been a poem. You look at it and you say, wow, I don't know where that came from because I'm not that good. <laughs> well, you mentioned bucket. And, oh, go ahead. And, and when you're in that place, you just say, this is rare. Um, let's just keep going. You know, it's it's one of the greatest things in the world. And and do you have to, I don't know, I'm probably oversimplifying this. Do you have to kind of stay out of your way? Like you recognize you're in that place, so let's not do anything? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, one of my connections to Fayetteville is a, a, a deacon in the church who has been to my songwriting camps a number of times. And one of the things I say, which makes no sense to them on day one, but by day five, they get, oh, is exactly what you said. Get out of the way. If it sounds like writing, edit it. You know, it, it should be something that, that allows what you're writing about to be its own thing. You know, you're not writing autobiography. You're not writing your diary. You're writing a story. And, Everybody doesn't talk, think, or act like you. So let's see what happens. It's, it's fun. It's, um, uh, the more I do it, the more I realize I have to learn about it. That's exciting, though, I would think. Oh, it's really exciting. Oh, gosh, yes. It's, you know, I'm almost 70 years old now, and I just think, wow, I'm just learning how to do this. Isn't this fun? <laughs> you know... There are people, what a gift it is to to enjoy something as much as you do writing and creating, and then to know there's still so much more to explore about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, one of the, you know, sort of dubious gifts of the pandemic is that we've all learned how to Zoom. <laughs> and uh, as, as as just wearying as Zoom meetings can be, Every week, I have a Zoom meeting with Tom Paxton, who's oh, wow. one of the iconic uh, folk songwriters of, of you know, the past 50, 60 years. He's 84 years old. He's an old friend of mine. And every week, we sit down and we write something together. And I think, is this the greatest thing in the world? Am I the luckiest guy I know? And you're able to write with a, a true journeyman. And um, and come up with something uh, with a friend. It's uh, it's great because otherwise we'd have to get on a plane to get together. And now every Monday at two o'clock, it's like, hi, Tom, what do we want to write about today? Oh, now, the, the first recording, I think, that came out of the 
writing you did after the onset of the pandemic was the cabin fever. Now there's bucket list. Yep. And I'm just, in fact, shortly, I'm, I'm flying back from my trip to Fayetteville and going into the studio to mix a third album. It's, uh, um, it's a nice problem to have. I just wish people were still buying CDs. <laughs> um, I want to ask about bucket list because that that title, you know, we conjure up bucket list like, oh, this is what I want to do before X or something I haven't done. Does that theme play into some of the songs in the songwriting that's displayed on bucket list? The song bucket list itself was a song I wrote sitting across from my wife in front of the fireplace at our cabin one night. And we had been talking because she, she is, uh, she writes children's books and she travels to conferences to do author visits in schools and so on. Uh, and so this was about a year in and we were both, you know, okay, well, this is, this is pretty sweet. I like being home. And I looked across at her and I just thought, you know, I've had a remarkable life, traveled the world, done things I never would have imagined as a little kid growing up that I'd ever do. But the greatest adventure I realize is sitting right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. And the song just came out saying, you know, I've, I've wanted to do this. This is my bucket list, blah, blah, blah. But here I am. And, you know, turn the bucket over. I'm done. This is this is the big adventure now. Um, so it was kind of a wistful remembrance of some amazing things I've been able to do and, and what lies ahead. I think I read somewhere that in your youth, you were a catcher, a baseball catcher. Oh yeah. Yeah. I still, I, I played, uh, baseball, not softball, baseball into my fifties. Um, still love the game uh, with a kind of inexplicable fanaticism. Um, but yeah, that was my uh, that was my position. I, I donned the tools of ignorance, as they say, <laughs> as Yogi Berra, or maybe it was Joe Garagiola who who coined that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I never did play catcher because I was small and just not. You know, no coach ever wanted to put me there. Too smart. <laughs> I don't know about that, John. I don't know about that. But but one thing, you know, the, the idea behind the catcher, right? You're involved in every pitch. You're looking at the placement of the infielders. And I wonder if that at all relates to creating a song or an album. Yeah. I, I liked the idea that you were involved in every pitch of the game. You had to know how to... And this was before, you know, even on the major league level, a lot of the pitches are called from the dugout. And the manager uh, or whomever relates, relays the, the, the pitch they want to the catcher who then calls it to the pitcher. No, this is the days when, um, you know, the, the catcher was the field general. And I was uh, lucky enough to have a little league coach who had been a catcher in college and he said, I showed up with my, with my mitt at tryouts, and he said, uh, is that your glove? And I said, no, it's my mitt, which he took as a good sign. <laughs> and I told him I wanted to be a catcher. 
And he had never had anybody who had wanted to be a catcher, you know, sort of like, we need your bat and you're, you're naturally a shortstop, but we've got a better defensive shortstop out there. So you're going to here, put this stuff on. You're going to be the catcher. So he really took me under his wing. And uh, I guess as a young, completely hyperactive kid, it was a way to keep me from being bored. I mean, I would have been out of my mind as a right fielder. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and in fact, I had a, um, I had a nickname. I was Mother Goose because I would start telling stories to distract the batter. <laughs> <laughs> and they would sort of be serialized and they would go back and they would say, okay, what happened in the story? And the guy who had just struck out would say, okay, this is what happened in the story. And the next guy would come up and he'd know where we were. And, and it drove the umpires crazy. But um, yeah, just sort of being being the observer um, and trying to be the director of the scene, I guess it, I had never thought about that, but maybe it it, uh, it follows. Finally, I know that the uh, presentations when you're at St. Paul's are called Make Me an Instrument, Singing the Unsayable. I'm wondering, do you come in with a playlist, a set list, or will you kind of go with how it feels? At St. Paul's, I'll, I'll have a rough outline, mostly... Uh, I don't have a set list and I just want to see where this particular random group of people um, respond and where we're going to go from there because this is part of a lecture series and because um, they wanted a title and it gave me, yeah, I'll come in not with a set list, but with, uh, as I said, an outline of what I want to talk about and what songs would illuminate that and inform the the whole notion of how we can say things in music and in stories that we wouldn't allow ourselves or couldn't find the right words to say about how we move through this world. And it's it's been something that has fascinated me since I was a kid about music, and I can't believe that I get to do it. It's, it's, I mean, it's trite to say, but it's like a dream come true. I I've gotten away with this for 50 years now. And, and somehow St. Paul said, we have room for you here. Come and talk to us. Well, we can't wait for you to come back to Fayetteville. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. John McCutcheon will be at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Fayetteville this weekend as the latest guest in the Tippy McMichael Lecture Series. He'll be in concert at the church Saturday night, doors at 6 p.m., music beginning at 7, and then he'll lead an adult form Sunday morning at 10. He spoke with Kyle last week. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Mycelium Networks, a Fayetteville startup building a decentralized wireless network for IoT devices in northwest Arkansas, compensating individuals for hosting a small gateway at their home or business to help provide local coverage. ConnectNWA.com for more information. The Arkansas Razorback women's basketball team is finally going to Oxford, Mississippi. The Razorbacks were originally going to play Mississippi in late December, but COVID-19 issues within the Mississippi program back then created a postponement. Tonight's game gives Arkansas an opportunity to snap a two-game losing streak. 
the 18th ranked men's basketball team also on the road tonight playing at Florida. The Razorbacks have won 11 of their last 12 games. And the Arkansas indoor track and field teams are heading into this weekend's SEC championships ranked very high. The men are the new number one team in the country in the latest poll from the USTF CCCA. And the women remain third in the nation. The SEC meet is Friday and Saturday in College Station, Texas. Undisciplined, a podcast production by KUAF, is live tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the historic St. James Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville. This episode will focus on religion and liberation. Host Cree Benton will be joined by a panel of religious leaders to discuss the role religion can play in liberation, reparations, building anti-racist coalitions, and more. For more details, you can visit KUAF.com slash live podcast. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. We're in the Nancy Blair Operations Studio today with Charlie Shields, Marketing Director with the University of Arkansas Press. Charlie, always nice to talk to you. Thank you for having me. We're talking about the spring lineup of books. Generally speaking, we we publish history, poetry, literature, African-American studies, sports, and food. Okay. Those are our primary areas that we publish in. We try to help fulfill the mission of the university by publishing those. But we don't just publish books from University of Arkansas professors. That's a common misconception. We we usually publish people who are not affiliated with the University of Arkansas. Some of these new spring offerings that you might be uh, excited about, let's talk about some of these. Well, three of our books are the winner and finalist of the Miller-Williams Poetry Prize. The prize is named in honor of the press's first director, Miller-Williams, who was one of the most accomplished poets in American history. Um, and so we have a prize named in his honor. The, there's a new judge this year, Patricia Smith, who is one of the most important and acclaimed poets working today. And the winner this year just happened to be Jay Bailey Hutchinson, who got her MFA at the U of A. Okay. It's a totally blind submission process, but she came out the winner. I guess what that also shows us is talk about robust writing program here at the U of A. Absolutely. It's, it's really wonderful. And every year when I go to AWP, which is a writer's conference, I meet people who have come through the Arkansas MFA program over the last 40 or 50 years who are, you know, some of the, the best working writers today. Anything else that kind of catches your eye? One of our really good books this season is called Jerome and Rower, and it is an oral history. It's memoirs written by several dozen people who were interred at Jerome and Rower uh, internment camps um, in southeast Arkansas during World War II. All of these people are in their late 80s and 90s. So this is the last chance to put a book like this together. And it's their own personal remembrances from being at these two internment camps. Do you read all of the books? I try to read at least (laughs) some of everything we publish. It helps to market it for sure. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, Okay, Charlie Shields with the U of A Press. Uh, Someone wants to take a look at these titles. What's the best way to get there? The best way to see all of our books is at uapress.com. Charlie Shields with the University of Arkansas Press. Again, if you'd like to look at this spring lineup of literature, uapress.com. Charlie, thanks for talking to us. Thank you for having me. The Community Spotlight and KUAF Public Radio, Local Matters.
This is Ozarks at Large with me, Catherine Sherald, our militant grammarian. Welcome back. Thanks. Kyle, WordGenius.com challenges us to say these words without giggling. Okay. All right. <laughs> but in addition to suppressing your snickering, I want to know if you know their meanings. Okay. So let's not lollygag. Is that one? That's one. That's to, you know, take your time or foolishly take your time. To fool around, dawdle, or procrastinate. Lollygag first appeared as lallygag with an A hmm. as far back as 1862. The exact origins are unknown, but it's possible it came from merging the colloquial lolly or tongue hmm. and gag or trick. Oh. And why a tongue trick meant to procrastinate, well, maybe we better not ask. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I noticed that a lot of these tickling words have double letters. Uh. This one has two sets. Ever had the collywobbles? Probably. I'm going to guess that collywobbles is when you might have had a bit too much of the spirits and you're... It's what comes after that. You fall fall down? No. Do you have a hangover? Well, it depends on what, what form your hangover takes. Wobbles. Think so, of wobbles. So you're you're feeling uh, uneasy. It, nausea. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah. you go. Um, stomach ache or nausea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Collie wobbles. Yeah, collie wobbles. <laughs> uh, sounds like just exactly what it is. Right. Another one. It's another one from the 1800s. Collie wobbles is most likely a mashup of the not so fun colic. Mm a medical condition involving severe abdominal pain, as you can ask any infant, and the slightly more fun wobble, perhaps alluding to how you came to feel so ill. There you go. There you, <laughs> go. you drank or ate too yeah. much. Okay, Kyle, think back to your college English classes. What's a diphthong? Oh, that's like a single sound that's made by the combination of letters. Like TH is a diphthong, right? Because T doesn't make a th. I think H. it's I think it's a, only vowels. I think it's only oh, for really? vowels. Oh, uh-huh. really? But it's a unified set mm-hmm. of letters that make a mm-hmm. sound that, that make they... a, make a sound that neither of them right. make on their own. Yeah, right. it's mm-hmm. teamwork. Uh, things like uh, a linguist started talking about these and named diphthongs in the fifteenth century. And diphthongs is fun to say. Some examples of the diphthong. Uh, are s- sound, ound, right? Uh, noise, oys, and annoy, oi. The, those, the, the, it's not you. Don't really hear oi, oi, right? Yeah, right. Kyle, we don't see too many of these nowadays. What's a mugwump? It's political in nature. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's someone who just stays out. That's right. It's independent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, adopted from. Algonquin word for great chief, mugwomp, Q U instead of W. Uh, mugwomp's definition has been hard to pin down. It became an insult as someone who considers himself to be very important, used against independence in politics in 1800s. Mm. But they embraced it and claimed it as their own. This is one of my favorite insult words, Kyle. What's a troglodyte? <laughs> Joan Crawford, great actor. Ah. One of the last movies, if not the last movie she made. I'd say it's a B-movie horror. It's probably a C-movie, <laughs> C-level horror movie. It was called Troglodyte. Oh. And it was about this creature that lived in a cave. That's it. Lives in a cave. That's the 
straight out yeah. answer cave lived in a cave in a prehistoric context a troglodyte was someone who lived in a cave the term can still be applied to a modern hermit how about that i think it's usually applied to someone who is considered less cultured yeah. or an idiot yeah. yeah yeah that's the way i use it as yeah. an insult but uh, nowadays they don't have to live in a cave to be a troglodyte just that they're they're a hermit and of course to someone whose beliefs are from a prehistoric era. Right. That's the insight. Right, mm-hmm. right. Kyle, what does discombobulate mean? Confusion? Mm-hmm. To be confused or to confuse someone else? I'm not uh, sure. It, let's see. Since 1863, it is meant to be characterized by confusion or okay. disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm discombobulated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time as a kid, I thought it was a... Not a real word. It was oh, just uh-huh. a silly word that uh-huh. yeah. my teacher used. That's what these are all yeah. silly words, and they're yeah. wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, so, Kyle, you know what an ordeal it is to go through TSA at the airport, or maybe you don't remember. Oh, no. I, I've flown <laughs> once in the last <laughs> two years, and it was it, even it's more getting than even ordeal. worse, yeah. yeah. Well, airports often have areas right after TSA where you can sit down and put yourself back together, Yeah. put shoes on, put your laptop back. The Milwaukee Airport has such an area. Above it is a sign reading Recombobulation Area. (laughs) Isn't that great? I appreciate that very much, yes. (laughs) Discombobulation. It's a fun word to say. Here are some more fun to say words that might explain how many of us are feeling these days. Okay. Kai, what does it mean to be flummoxed? Again, kind of confused, out of sorts, um, not in control, I would Mm -hmm. say. Unable to understand, utterly confused or perplexed. It dates to 1832. And it's another double-letter fun word, not to mention it ends with an X. (laughs) Kyle, being bamboozled suggests the actions of a second party. Yeah, so I've been, I want to say snookered or Mm -hmm. taken advantage of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was lied to. For that person's advantage. Right. Thrown into a state of confusion or bewilderment, especially by being deliberately fooled or misled. I'm thinking the music man. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It dates to 1866. How about flabbergasted? Oh, I'm shocked beyond words. I can't even speak. I can't believe that happened or you said that. Feeling or showing intense shock, surprise, or wonder. Utterly astonished. Kyle, the next one is a portmanteau, one of your favorite subjects. Yes, it is. What is a portmanteau? You take two words, you combine them to make a new word. Right. Blending sounds and combining meanings. Yeah. It's also the newest word in this particular list, dating from the early 2000s. The word is confuzzled. Confused and puzzled? Mm-hmm. Never heard it, but... Why yeah. would you... Why would you need something different? Yeah, I mean, yeah. is that different than confused or well, puzzled? Well, let's see. Puzzled could be... Seems to me that puzzled... It's really thinking about a puzzle. Yeah. A puzzle could be something that really has an answer and you could arrange and understand right. it, whereas confused is just kind of wandering around in a... Or, or mm-hmm. to, to, to piggyback off that, a puzzle is something you... Go to voluntarily. Okay. A jigsaw puzzle True. or a little or something True. like that. Yeah. But it's like those number one Sudoku, Sudoku. Oh, yeah. It's so puzzling for some of us yeah. that you're just completely, utterly confused. Confused. You yeah. don't know which oh, way is up. that's good. That's good. I like that. And finally, one of my favorite words, gobsmacked. And I, <laughs> yeah, I just like, again, that's sort of flummoxed, but in a 
maybe even more severe way? Yeah, it's overwhelmed with wonder, surprise, or shock. One of the meanings is overwhelmed, but after last month, maybe we should say just whelmed. That's right, because right. there is no overwhelmed. <laughs> but there is a Milton Grammarian. Her name is Catherine Charles. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting Little River Band in concert at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs on Saturday, May 7th. A limited number of reserved seat tickets are now available online at tickets.thundertix.com. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, the hard work of correcting wrongful convictions. So, for example, it'll take potentially six to ten years once you start working on an innocence case to kind of get it through. Tiffany Murphy offers us a preview of the signature seminar she'll lead next fall on the University of Arkansas campus, Wrongful Convictions. She'll deliver a preview lecture Monday the 28th, and we'll talk with her on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF 91.3 FM. You can also listen by downloading or subscribing to the Ozarks at Large podcast, available through any major podcast channel. I'm Lisa Mullins. The married duo behind the band Shovels and Rope are not afraid to mine their relationship for their music. Nothing that is said in a song hasn't already been said in a in counseling or like in the quiet. We'll talk with them next time on Here and Now. Here and Now starts at 1 this afternoon on KUAF. You can listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. This is KUAF 91.3, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Waldron. Ozarks at Large, a production of KUAF, created inside the Conference Center for Public Radio. Timothy Dennis produced today's program. Contributors included Jacqueline Froelich and Catherine Schurlds. Our conversations between John Brummett and Roby Brock are part of our partnership with Talk Business and Politics. Additional material today provided by our colleagues at KUAR, Public Radio in Little Rock. The Community Spotlight is produced by Pete Hartman inside the Nancy Blair Operations Studio at KUAF. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It's written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find him frequently performing live on his Facebook page. Thank you so much for spending a bit of your Tuesday with us. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. Timothy, thanks for spending part of your Tuesday with me. Hey, thank you for spending part of it with me as well. We'll be back tomorrow, noon and 7, with a brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams.